What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from life. You know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. One thing I learned in representing people at the state hospital and sort of representing people at the state penitentiaries, as Americans, we have taught ourselves that freedom is the most important thing in the world. We want our freedom. Uh, We don't want to be in prison or a state hospital, so it's not surprising that someone would want to escape. It didn't do much other than add to her mystique. She had the ability to jump over a fence that had lots of barbed wire on the top and physically be able to do that. My name's Stephen Gorham, uh, G-O-R-H-A-M. Uh, I'm an attorney in Salem. I've been an attorney since 1975. I went to uh, Cornell University as an undergrad, and then as a graduate, I went to, uh, as a law school, I went to Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, uh, where I have been practicing since 1975. Steve represented Diane Downs as her post-conviction attorney. Post-conviction attorneys represent a client after the verdict and will typically assist a guilty party in making the case that they were not adequately represented by their counsel in the courtroom. They try to help them appeal the verdict or provide other post-conviction relief. My first step in, in representing somebody at the time in a post-conviction was to go visit them. So on 
her that Diane was in the uh, Oregon's Correctional uh, Center here in Salem. It happens to be about a mile from my office on State Street. The women's prison was built right next to the Oregon State Penitentiary, right outside their wall. The Oregon State Penitentiary was built in the 1800s sometime, and it's a walled prison. And uh, they built the women's prison right outside the wall. And the women's prison was a one-story building with a fence around it. Um, They had a small yard that was uh, outside the building. Uh, You could see the yard from State Street uh, because it's right off of State Street. And it was surrounded by uh, a tall uh, chain-link fence with barbed wire on the top. But that's not where our story in this episode really begins. Shortly after Steve took on Diane as a client, she escaped from prison. So also in 1987, that's when Diane escaped. She jumped over the fence. She knew some people... Uh, She had uh, other inmates at the Oregon State Women's Correctional Center, uh, new people in Salem, some of whom lived a couple blocks from the women's prison. So there were houses that were rental houses on State Street. And uh, when Diane escaped, she got picked up by a couple because she was either hitchhiking. I'm not sure why they let her out. But they didn't take her very far. They let her out. Eric Mason was working as a reporter in Oregon at the time of Diane's escape. He traveled with a photographer around the area to find potential places Diane could have escaped to, hoping to be among the first to figure out her whereabouts. She's at Oregon Women's Correctional Facility and doing the rest of her life there. And, you know, it's not the most high... Uh, security max facility in the world there. There's a couple of chain link fences and today it's closed. But at the time, you know, it was where all kinds of women involved in strange crimes were being held. And so she's been there a while. And I think life is just grinding on for Diane And just down the street, I mean, literally blocks from the Women's Correctional Center are two guys that are semi-homeless, working poor, who are there. And crazy as it is, once again, my path crosses these two people as I'm devoting and donating some time down at the Union Gospel Mission to make dinner and do some other things there for them. And I meet these two guys. Wayne and Bob. Wayne and Bob. And, you know, I strike a conversation at the dinner hour with them. And they're two very interesting guys. And so they begin to tell me about their life. And the reason I went to go visit their house was because there were sources of information about how the world of drugs worked in this town. So you saw them as a stringer, potentially? Well, I saw them as people who needed help, and obviously they needed help from the Union Gospel Mission. But they also wanted to tell me stories, and they knew I was a reporter. And so I got to know them in the months leading up to her escape. So when 
<laughs> when the escape happens and she goes over the wire, it's like, wow, she's got some guts to go straight over the fence. How tall is this fence? Uh, I'm thinking, you know, 14, 18 feet or so. She goes up and over the top of it and is out and gone. And day goes by and two days goes by. And I'm thinking, wow, she might have actually escaped and got away with it. And so every day the assignment was be the first to find Diane and get it on TV. And if you can't, make sure you get her arrested being walked in. And so we were driving everywhere. Myself and the photographer, I remember this, we were thinking, okay, she could be out in farm country. She could be living down by the Willamette River. She could be trying to find the next guy already. And so we were, we were trying to check off all the boxes of things we'd done. And I said to the photographer, you rode around each day with a photog. I said, wouldn't it be weird if she ended up at Wayne's house along the river, just a few blocks from the women's correctional center, the prison, and darn it, that's where she was. Eric offered to show me the area firsthand. So he got in his car and toured the area near the prison where Diane fled. So, and then there's Mill Creek, you can see Mill Creek. And then on the other side of Mill Creek is the women's facility. And you can see that fence there. Yeah, I see that's, that barbed wire fence, that's pretty intense. Yeah, and so at the time though, it was not as well fortified as it is now. And Diane just basically climbed it, hopped over and kept going. I was surprised at how the prison was like a modern-day castle with a river moat. There's big open brush on three sides of the place, and you'd expect, you would have thought that if someone wanted to get out of town fast, they'd head towards the railroad tracks and into a boxcar or anything getting out of town and, and taken off, but that's not what was going to happen here. And then the state police office where they brought her in was right over here. And um, that's where I first saw Bob and Wayne being led away, almost as if, you know, they were on the same perp walk as Diane Downs, but they were all together right here. I wanted to know what Bob and Wayne were like, these two men who harbored Diane after her escape. Bob was, you know, studious looking and, you know, had glasses and kind of looked like a computer geek. And Wayne was a fairly decent looking individual and looked like he could be a landscaper, you know, in Southern California. And they really did have little odd jobs every day that they would do, but they never really made enough money to have a nice place. And so they had this tiny little hovel along Mill Creek and then would go down and have dinner at the Union Gospel Mission. And that was their life. So to have a notorious convicted killer show up in the middle of the night at their house, 
you know, it was quite a surprise, but, you know, they certainly weren't going to throw her out either. I think what was later determined was that she used the creek, Mill Creek, to be able to confound the dogs. And she knew enough about tracking that she went down that creek. And so I think one of the first things she did is she got rid of her clothes and I think left them in the water. I'm not sure how, what level of nakedness that she was, but when she showed up at Bob and Wayne's place, she was cold, didn't have her clothes or most of them, and just needed to get warm and a place to stay. And I believe, and I'm gonna have to go back to check to see this is true, that she had some correspondence with people outside the prison. It was a pen pal. And I'm not sure how that worked into it, but they finally looked at her tablet and began to figure out who she'd been talking with. And so um, that's what helped them figure out part of, you know, what her plans were and how to she was getting out and whatnot. It was reported, though, that Wayne said he fell in love with her. Yes, and so um, I remember Wayne almost thinking and saying things to the effect of, I couldn't believe my good fortune. <laughs> you know, here I am, a marginally employed but mostly homeless man in Salem, Oregon, and the woman of my dreams comes walking through the door almost half naked. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! 
retire from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From what I read with Wayne, it sounded like Wayne and Diane had a relationship. Diane was sleeping with Wayne, so I don't think he would easily give her up if that was the case. That's true. I think Wayne was uh, the type of guy who was street smart and really didn't uh, like snitches or people that turned other people in. And so, yeah, I would imagine he kept things pretty quiet. What I really can't believe is that given the search that was done, that for those days following the escape, she stayed right where she was and no one found her. That's, that's the part that's amazing, uh, that she was able to basically hide right here in plain sight. Let's see, I think it's okay. So here's where we go over the creek. Okay. You can see it's very vegetated down there. Right. And someone just walking up that creek would have tried to find someone's back porch, which she did. So this neighborhood is cute. It looks like it's an older neighborhood with little bungalows. That actually looks very different than what I thought it would look like in my head because these houses are just adorable, like painted little ladies. Right. And then the ones that are right on the creek some of them are just uh, like an outbuilding to another house. Oh, okay. I see here at the creek. Right. Just Some of these, see this little building here? Oh, yeah. It looks like an outhouse yeah, attached no, to this house. It's just, it's just a little outbuilding. Like and, a shed. And that's what those two, it was very much like a shed. And you can see the water. You know, someone could just sort of swim along this creek and their scent you couldn't follow that trail and I think that's I think that's what she was able to do After she was captured Diane's brother James was one of the only people close to her who was able to speak to her about the escape I wish she'd call me That's what I said at the time, actually. I remember it. I remember it. I was working. And um, I was working at a place in San Joaquin Valley, California. You know, I wanted to take her to Canada, take her to Mexico, or just take her away from here and to where she'd be safe. And But yeah, <laughs> she didn't, obviously. What did you think when she was found? 
<laughs> I've had conversations with her about this. I thought it's not surprising she was caught, I guess. You know, she's looking for affection. She's looking for love. You know, she's just looking to be held and tell everything's going to be okay. You know, and I guess maybe that's why I wanted her to call me so I could tell her that. So. What were your conversations about about that time that she escaped? Um, that she, she scaled over the walls and took off and she was going to go there and she said, oh my God, what do I do now? You know what I mean? Best laid plans. It's like she get over and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Where am I going to go? And so, I mean, even if you go to the house you have in mind to go to, it's like, well, what's your next, her next plan was to find the person that did this. And Every time she said that to herself, it's like, how do you do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so she got to this person's house and was shacking up with this guy and never got to the part of finding the person that did this. Well, she also had tons of authorities looking for her. Right. So I don't That's think what she's I mean. It's like you get over that. the fence and it's like, oh, my goodness gracious. What do you do? Right. Can't even fathom like the, the fence mental. Is Sixteen foot tall with circular razor wire on the top of it. There's two of them. <laughs> How did she do it? <laughs> she um threw threw something over the top, and just climbed over. Literally, she just climbed over two sixteen foot fences with circular, not barbed wire, but razor wire on top of them. Once caught, Diane was transferred to another prison under the Interstate Compact likely to prevent the Oregon Women's Penitentiary from receiving any additional public attention that arose from her presence there. You know, they sent her to New Jersey after her escape, which is semi-surprising. In the sense, It's not so surprising that they sent her out of town because at the time our women's prison was, you know, not the most secure. And the interstate compact is basically uh, like baseball trading or football trading, you know, you, you trade an inmate for another inmate, and that's pretty much what it is. I read know? records that um, that knew that there was a lot of rejections for who would house Diane Downs after the escape, and that New Jersey said, we will take Diane if um, we could send you two inmates when we have the need, when the need yeah. arises. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm relatively sure they they moved Diane to get her out of town so that the publicity wasn't always there. And again, originally because she had escaped, and a, a lot of times they they do the prisoner swaps or the interstate compact to try to get uh, a new environment for the inmate, where they will, you know, maybe under different circumstances in a different prison a state, they will, you know, get better, whatever that means. I'm sure no one wanted to take Diane because of the publicity. And then, you know, she tried to escape that prison. Oh, I didn't know that. Again? Oh, oh yeah. You didn't know she tried to escape New Jersey? No. But while she was in New Jersey, she got had a personal relationship with a man who was a helicopter pilot who was going to steal a helicopter and land in New Jersey and escape with Diane again. And he gave that 
conspiracy up. I'm not going to get this right. You know, a couple months before it was supposed to go into practice because of something that happened. Uh, he didn't get caught. He confessed and turned himself in. And he may have been from Seattle. A lot of these details aren't there, but I know I went to see her in the New Jersey prison after she was there uh, before this escape attempt because I was back visiting my family and it was just easy for me to do to visit her uh, and I wanted to visit her just because, you know, yeah. uh, mainly to see what a New Jersey prison looked like. And then when this escape attempt happened, it was just weird, you know, and that's when she got sent to the California prison, which is, as I understand it, and I don't know that this is true, the worst women's prison in the world, or at least in the United States. I'll have to do some research on that. I know that I was talking to the infamous Betty uh, Boderick, and she's housed with Diane. Well, not they're not like cellmates or anything, but they actually know each other in that prison, which is interesting to me, but how, you know, different inmates are connected. Yeah, and um, as I said, I went through some of these records uh, on Ogin, and some of the things that she was claiming, again, I didn't go into any of the details, but she's claiming, you know, that she was, you know, a cellmate of hers, and uh, this Boderek lady, and, you know, I, I think dreaming up all sorts of conspiracy theories concerning who she's been sold with. Initially, Steve reserved his opinions on Diane's guilt, going solely off the court's verdict. His principles as an attorney prevented him from taking certain actions if a client directly admitted guilt to him. Well, her daughter said that she she was the perpetrator. Diane always said, at least at that time, that it was the bushy-haired stranger. I believe I'm an ethical attorney. And an ethical attorney can't have his client get on the stand and lie. So if your client tells you that they're guilty, you can't put them on the stand and have them say, I'm not guilty. And when I say guilty and not guilty, I'm talking about the individual facts of the case. Right. A, a defendant has the absolute right to take the stand and defend themselves in a criminal case. So if you get somebody who tells you, uh, I'll just use an example of a killing. If somebody tells you, yeah, I shot this person, they can't get on the stand and say, I didn't shoot the person. If they do get on the stand and say, I didn't shoot the person, and they've already told you and you believe that they did shoot the person, while they have the absolute right to get on the stand, you can ask them only one question. And what's that question? And that question is, what happened? You can't ask them any other questions. And you have to be careful how you present the case other than that. So knowing that from the beginning of my career and knowing that I was, an ethical person, one of the things I try not to do when I first start to represent somebody is say, are you guilty? A criminal defense attorney's obligations are 
99% to the clients, that 1% is to the court, that you can't let your client lie to the court. So I basically tell them that up front so they know the ground rules of what they should be telling me and what they shouldn't be telling me. You represented both Diane, Becky's mom, and, and then my dad. What stands out to you about their personalities? Are they similar? Are they? Would you say they're both narcissists, or what would, what would be your assessment of the two? Well, I would say Diane was a narcissist, and I think your dad was too. You know, it's hard to... Your dad owned up to the crimes he did, which took a lot of guts. I'll say it this way. If Diane is guilty, which in all likelihood she is, she never owned up to the crime. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The main focus of Steve's post-conviction relief was the forensic evidence presented at trial. Christie's testimony was difficult to disprove, but Steve knew that blood spatter evidence was controversial. Well, again, you look at the case, and um, it was a big case, so there's a lot of paperwork. First of all, you have to, you know, read the transcript of the trial to understand how she got convicted and the facts that led to her conviction. And what were those? Do you remember what those were that led to her conviction? Well, I think her daughter testifying that she did it was the biggest fact, if I remember correctly. And then there was forensic evidence that tried to disprove her theory of the case. And one of the biggest parts of that was uh, where she said everybody was situated at the time of the crime. Uh, in or out of the car, and blood spatter uh, evidence concerning that, which came in at the trial. But again, as I said earlier, one of the main things you look at is ineffective assistance of counsel, meaning what did the original attorney do right and what did he do wrong? And what would you say he did, this would be Jim Jagger, what would you say he did right and what would you say he did wrong? Well, I do remember looking into the blood spatter and though I remember at least somewhat concentrating on the blood spatter that he didn't do that right. I mean, over the years, uh, there's been some controversy over blood spatter, forensic people uh, prosecuting uh quote-unquote scientists, believe you can tell a lot about what goes on from blood spatter. Some people don't believe it's very scientific at all. But clearly, the state tried to prove that Diane was not telling the truth based on where the blood spatter was and how it existed in and around the car. Our case was to try to show that Jagger didn't do a very good job in putting holes in the blood spatter testimony of the uh, experts in the case. What what was ultimately her sentence from the trial? She got life with a minimum, I think, of 50 years. So she's contested a lot of different things, and one of the big um, issues that was contested, I believe, is that the gun was never found. I believe I have this feeling that uh, either Diane said that the gun was thrown in the river or somehow that the gun got in the river, okay? But I believe the police searched the river, but... I personally believe the gun's in the river. I'm not sure I could tell you why I believe that, but I think that's where it is. 
Then came the letter. After her conviction, Diane wrote a letter to her defense attorney, Jim Jagger. In it, Diane changes her story about the night of the shooting. Well, he's representing her, and he had it in his file, and at some point, the state asked him for this letter, and he had to turn it over to the state. And, and this is the importance of this letter to me. It may be not important to anybody else, but to me, if you remember, after the children were shot and they were on the road next to the Mackenzie Highway, she's driving to the hospital in Springfield very slowly. And at the trial, someone who followed her, I think a man, maybe in a pickup truck, who was following her said, geez, she's driving this person. He didn't know her from Adam. This person's driving very slowly, something's going on, you know, so they used, the state argued, I think, that she was driving very slowly to the hospital so the children would die. Um, how could you be sitting next to your children as they're dying? Yeah. Um, I can't remember how she explained it. Uh, probably she just didn't know where she was or whatever, and, you know, the trauma of it. This letter basically says that somebody in a pickup truck was following her on the road. This is before the killing. He passed her, then he slowed down. She passed him. I, I may not be right about that part. And then she stopped because she was interested in this guy. So you put your children in danger in the middle of the night to stop I think I knew about this letter, but if I didn't know about the letter, then I think her change in her story, and this letter is important in my mind because it really describes the slow driving before the crime and that she was interested in just picking up this guy who was in this pickup truck. And she basically, you know, sends then after she stopped and met this guy, then he became a bushy-haired stranger, and, and he's the one who shot the kids. The letter starts out with an almost confessional tone. It begins, November 7, 1984, Salem, Oregon. Dear Jim, I'm not really sure how to start this letter, but I guess the best way to make an apology is to say, I'm sorry. Now, you're probably wondering what this is all about, and when you're through reading, you'll probably drop this letter and say, damn you, Diane, like you have so many times before. Your blood pressure will go up, and I'm sorry about that, too. I'm sorry about a lot of things, really. I only hope that you will forgive me for not being totally honest with you. It's just that it's so hard for me to put myself in someone else's hands. I find it hard to fully trust anyone not to hurt me. I needed to control myself and the situation, and I've been that way for a few years. It has been a hard lesson to learn, and I can't guarantee I'll be cured forever. But I know now that I should have placed this whole problem in your hands and let you deal with it. But I was afraid. Silly, maybe, but I was afraid you would lose respect for me. And, well, let me explain. The letter goes on to retell Diane's version of what took place the night of the shooting. She states that the shaggy-haired stranger was actually a man who was driving behind her on the road. According to her, he passed her and slowed down. It was kind of a flirtatious dance between the two cars and she eventually pulled over. 
She claims the man wanted weed, and when she opened the trunk, he took out the case containing Steve's gun. After making advances on Diane, he proceeded to shoot her and her children one by one before fleeing. That's really interesting, reading the letter. That's really interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, to a criminal defense attorney, it's a damning letter. And uh, who knows what else she had told Jim Jagger, and he obviously did his best in representing her. Um, I think someplace in the letter she said she's told him several stories or something like that. And it would have been hard for him. Though Steve tried to remain an ethical attorney and go on the basis of Diane's proclamation of innocence, the letter finally convinced him of her guilt. The change in her story from what she claimed multiple times in trial and to the press showed Steve that Diane most likely wasn't telling the truth and potentially never had. He doesn't believe she'll do well at her future parole hearings. No, and I don't believe she will have a chance. First of all, again, the parole board over the years has been very conservative. I wouldn't say the parole board has ever been liberal in the state of Oregon. So they do look at, I mean, a parole board should be looking at the person, the individual. What you uh, should be looking at is, of course, the crime, the effect of the crime, especially these days on the victims. And, you know, it used to be the victims really didn't much matter. And then we went through a, a, a phase that still exists of victims' rights. And part of that is the parole board wants you to come clean. If they believe that you're guilty of the crime, they want you to say you're guilty of the crime and show remorse for your guilt. So the fact that Diane has yet to, you know, show much remorse or so show that she is guilty, it's going to be hard for her to get out on parole uh, by any parole board. And frankly, especially crimes that have uh, such publicity uh, concerning them. I don't believe that she'll ever get out on parole. Diane Downs was denied parole in 2008 and again in 2010. Diane's parole board hearing took place just recently, September 23rd, and she was denied parole. On the next episode, Michelle presents Becky with the conclusion of her efforts to trace Becky's paternity and identify her biological father. Also coming in a few days, a bonus episode. The bizarre letter Diane Downs wrote to Jim Jagger read in its entirety. Although we were unable to present the entire letter in this episode due to time constraints, we feel that you, the listener, should hear this bizarre retelling of the night of the crime in Diane's own words. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. 
You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. Swim up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com. 